0: Hello, and welcome to the Chengdu Living Podcast. My name is Charlie, and I'm joined here by a guest who is an elite Chinese speaker. The second one, which I've hosted on this podcast, and the two are actually partners who have founded a company here in Chengdu, which is called Mandarin Blueprint. This is one which I've recommended to many Chinese learners on Chengdu Living and elsewhere.
1: Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Introduce yourself. Thanks. My name's Luke. I wouldn't say I'm elite. Elite's like, wow. When I think of elite, I think of like Dashan or someone like that, you know, like the famously incredible reading and writing and speaking like perfect that's a great place to start but your what is I'm, I'm your, too what is neurotic the, to worry about that what are myself? the qualifiers elite. of elite to you i think elite is
0: in the eyes of the beholder i think that if you can say Nihal, then you're like an expert in the eyes of like 90% of white people <laughs> as you were just telling me right before we recorded this you said you were trying to get into a
1: nightclub tell this story <laughs> <laughs> right so i was in uh, i was in london and the, there's this huge bouncer who stopped me from going into this awful club I didn't want to go into anyway. But uh, I didn't have ID. I didn't think I needed one because I look older than I am, and which is old enough already. And uh, he's, he started asking me loads of questions to verify who I am in case I stabbed anyone, I guess. And he said, uh, who are you? What's your name? What do you do? And I said, I'm a Chinese teacher. And he, he literally said, F off. Am I allowed to swear? I don't know. You're allowed to swear, yeah. And he said, fuck off. In case fuck I didn't off. Fuck off. F off. Me. Like, fuck off. Just like, looks at me like that. And I was like, well, I am. I'm not like, I'm not lying. And and he goes, all right, then. How do you say hello? And I was like, "Uh, ni And he's like, all right. How do you say uh, goodbye, then? And I was like (laughs) And I said to the guy, I was like, look, if I if I'm saying that I'm a teacher, wouldn't you want to test me on something (laughs) a little bit more difficult? You know?
0: Well, I I assume it's because most people who have never been to Asia or (laughs) never been to China or have never learned another language, they would assume that saying hello or goodbye in Chinese is some impossibly high bar that surely no one could reach without years of practice. But this is kind of how the frame really changes. Like as you start to learn new languages, as you start to learn Chinese, the definition of elite is a notoriously shifty thing. It just tends to get higher and higher. So when I, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that you are an elite speaker in my mind because you can totally freely communicate in fantastic Chinese, which every Chinese speaker could understand. A lot of people think that I speak elite Chinese too, and I would debate that as well. I think in the same
1: way that you do. Right. But right. tell me, like, who is at the very top? Is it Dashan? Dashan's at the top. I mean, it's hard to say. But like, I tell you what. That right now, there's so many new shows coming out. Like, foreigners are so so much more ubiquitous in Chinese telly, and it's not just like. Because Dashan was the first one. You know, he was like the guy and he spoke incredible and he still does. Yes, he does stand-up comedy now in Chinese. He's like right. the only one, <laughs> yep. right? And he's always been incredible for the last 25 years or so. But uh, there's more and more now. You go on like, these TV shows, I cannot remember the name, but there's this really famous panel show right now with like one foreigner from all these representing all these different countries, and they're all really, really good. You know, yeah. At least as good as me, if not way better, you know? Yeah. So I guess because I'm so into this world of le- Chinese learning, it's like I'd still do it every day, you know, at least half an hour or so a day spent learning new words and practicing this. Stuff. I, li- I have a girlfriend that's Chinese and I try and practice with her and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's been like almost, well, f- over four years of like full time. I'm not, you know, like daily practice. So daily practice, if you do yeah. anything every day, you're gonna get pretty good at. I guess, but like, I'm always, I'm quite neurotic. I'm genuinely like, a, I'm always uh, second guessing myself. Always think that I'm not good enough. I'm not good. I need to get better, which is a good thing, right? Good thing. You know, it's not so good, like I was saying earlier, for getting to sleep at night. But it is a really good thing to have, I guess, when you're to just to keep going. Keep going with this, developing a skill. So, yeah.
0: you're definitely right about the ubiquity of foreigners on yeah. Chinese television in particular who speak excellent Chinese. Actually, many years ago, I think probably four years ago on this podcast, I recorded an episode with an American girl named Lana, who you may have run into, who also speaks very good Chinese, also passed HSK6. I worked with her for several years. And she was invited onto one of these Chinese primetime television programs, which was a dating show where she is an expat girl among a large cast of almost all Chinese girls who are meeting and interacting with all these potential suitors. So it's like a dating show. So these Chinese guys would ask questions, the Chinese women would and, and Lana would respond. And she was like the white girl, you know? And they're like, oh how does the Lawai think about this? You know? And she speaks like great Chinese. And that was you know, to great fanfare. You're talking the, about um, <laughs> Fei chang Wu Rao. Fei chang Wu
1: Rao. Yeah, That's my, exactly my friend, it. my friend Scott Gaudry, he he, he he won that. He like broke the records on that. He Did was he like, really? Yeah, he's called the Dong Wang, the he's the 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 lamp king, right? <laughs> do you know this?
0: Uh, they light the lamp to express interest or something. Is that yeah, right? Yeah.
1: So they've all got. I think it's 24 women. So they do it for men and women, right? But yeah. they have 24 women, and if they don't like the person, they have like rounds of answering questions, and if they don't like them, they switch their lamp off. And for the first time in the show's history, playing with anyone, no one switched their light off. Wow. throughout The whole show. So Scott's the light king. He's like he's that he's like one of these guys, you know. He's he's so he's like the opposite of me. In the like I was talking, I'm quite neurotic. He's the opposite. He's got like such high self-esteem. So maybe perhaps like he he uses Chinese to do business and stuff, and he's very successful here. He's having a great life and uh, and deservedly so. Um, but like I've always been envious of him in the way that he, even if like his vocabulary is definitely not as high as mine, like. It, but he he can come like he can just use whatever vocabulary he has very smoothly and easily, no matter what the situation, you know. So whereas I'll be like, oh, I've got to figure the perfect way to say this thing, right? And I'll I might stammer or something like that because I. What's that exact that perfect word that I want to say to exactly communicate what I want? But he'll just throw in a bunch of diggers, niggers, and all that sort of stuff and just sort of like, um, ah, uh, but like f- really smoothly sew together a sentence. And I've always been like, oh, I wish I, I, I've always been trying to train myself to just chill more. And that's something that I would, if I was going to give advice to people, I would say, you know, try and develop that habit as well. Just generally, if you want to learn any language, really, just yeah. chill. Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, try and be, you know, don't, don't think about stuff too much and just.
0: Right. Okay. That's a good tip. So we I talked with your business partner not too long ago on this podcast, I think about a year ago, and that was Phil. And that was on the podcast here on Turn of Living, which was called Mastering Chinese. And we talked about a lot of tips for learning Chinese, things which you guys have encountered, which you find your students kind of pitfalls, traps, uh, problems which they run into. I would love to get some more tips from you and your thoughts on that in general. In the last podcast, we also talked about sort of the origin of Mandarin Blueprint, how it started, how you met your business partner, how you guys kind of got this thing off the ground. But for people who didn't listen to that episode, maybe you can give a quick overview of what is Mandarin Blueprint, how did it start, um, how did you meet your business partner, and how did you find yourself in this position today
1: where you're a Chinese teacher? Right. Well, I uh, came to China to learn Chinese. That was my goal because when I was 19, that was the first time I came here. I, everyone, all my friends were like a boozing sort of week or two, few weeks in Europe, and I decided to save up money and go to China because I did martial arts and stuff during my teens, and I was really interested in the culture. And I did that Pimsler, like, you know, repeat after me. How do you remember how to say, I want to appreciate flowers or some nonsense, right? Which was, and I did it, I'm sort of that person as well. I can be just obsessively do a rather boring thing repetitively. I don't really mind. Um, <clears throat> so I did that for three months, like did like 90 hours of this repeat, listen, repeat, this repeat. And I went when I was 19. And I just remember just feeling like that trip, I extended it by a month, by the way. And I did it all the way up to when I started uni instead of like the, originally a month. And the reason was because the reactions I was getting pe- from people was like addictive. Absolutely. Know? Like, cause I, I had, cause I'd worked so hard on just repeating exactly what I'd heard without thinking about any rules of pronunciation. I originally bought a book that, just a textbook, I just dropped it straight away and I just did the listen, repeat, listen, repeat. So I had the basics down, I had about two or three hundred words at my disposal, and uh, you know, I just had decent enough pronunciation that I could make myself understood. And I, I ended up, even though I only had a couple of hundred words, I ended up being like I guess you could say uh, a mini celebrity, sort of like because I, I especially because I went to the, sort of the more rural areas, the smaller cities and stuff, there was times when I Locals like queuing up to talk to me and stuff. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I digress. But I, I was uh, I was going. I loved that, that so much that as soon as uni finished, I came straight back here. And I found the second time round, I, I was a bit overconfident when I f- came back to China. I got a full time job teaching English, so I didn't give myself much time during the day. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself and others, I could do this language in a year. I didn't even know what do this language meant. <laughs> I had never learned another language properly, so. After That first year was really slow. I listened to a lot of Chinese pod, but it's, as you know, it's just kind of like an ocean of content. Good content, but I had no overall plan or I didn't know what I was doing. I I, Pop-up Chinese was another one. It was, again, fantastic content, and I appreciate what they do very, very much, and I recommend them to our, our current students a lot. But if you just... i was just running at stuff. I was just trying to learn words. I'd do an app or use a website for, like, you know a month or a couple of weeks don't know if i'm getting, like, making any progress and then i would just move on to the next thing right. so <clears throat> that was like my big problem i was doing a lot of different stuff and I, I was definitely improving like i could feel it but i couldn't there was no it wasn't tangible you know so i made a lot of mistakes like uh, i didn't learn characters uh, i didn't bother i actually remember another thing i remember saying this like really Arrogantly, really, it's very arrogant. I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to learn Chinese characters, obviously. I actually use the word obviously, right? Of course, I'm not going to learn Chinese characters. I'm not going to learn the stupid squiggles. But obviously, I'll 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 be fine just listening and repeating, Mm -hmm. like I did when I was 19. And by the way, that's actually a fantastic way to start a language. I, I have found, and me and my business partner, Phil, we've done a lot of research and as w- it sort of matches our experience is that, like, pronunciation, if you start with that and, you know, getting the grasp of the basic words and how exactly how to pronounce every sound in the language and how to understand it and how to read it in pinyin, you know, the Romanized version, that is the key starting point. But you also need to start learning characters as soon as possible. And this is something I didn't know. Um, so because of that, I spent, I spent about uh, I'd say, about the first year and a half, maybe even longer, I had already learned 5,000 HSK words. Learned, I'm doing like those air quotes right now, because <laughs> like, it wasn't really learning them at all. Um, it was just... Just, I, just phonetically, you mean? No, I'd actually, uh, I actually... For example, I was using mainly, for about nine-month period straight, I, for at least an hour a day, maybe up to two or three hours a day, I was using Memrise.com, right. which is essentially just digital flashcards, and it was all individual words. So, I, And I guess you could say I was... I wasn't. I was learning the characters in a way because I could recognize the squiggle shapes, but I wasn't really learning them individually. So I was just learning these. There's five thousand words, HSK one to five. I thought, okay, HSK one to five. Apparently, you need that, or you know, or one to six rather. For five thousand words, you need that to be awesome at Chinese. So I said, okay. So I'm just going to learn these words individually every day, and I built up like sixteen million points. Neil two nine six. You can check my username, uh, right? And. I was just finding myself very frustrated because I made a few Chinese friends and I knew my girlfriend at the time as well and uh, I get a lot of weird like uncomfortable looks I'm, a lot of, when I would speak Chinese and I would feel very self-conscious.
0: Memorize correct me if I'm wrong it's just pretty much vocabulary right? I mean it's, is it like no, senate, well,
1: is it gra- grammatical structures as well? They or? have uh, it depends because it's all user generated content. So I don't know about other languages, but for Chinese, at the time, it was very, very limited. They Now, I believe, they have like sentence packs and stuff, but it all depends on what the individual user makes, right? Mm-hmm. But the key thing, the main sort of like uh, flagship Chinese course is written by wet, or created by Ben Watley, the, the owner of or creator of Memrise. And, you know, that's not the way to go about it necessarily, just using flashcards for individual words. You need to see the words in context, but... So it was like a year and a half in before I, I realized that, before I started looking outwards a little bit and not thinking that I knew how to learn a language because I don't think, I think very few people do know how to learn a language as an adult. And no doubt, for sure. I'm not saying there's any perfect way and like we figured out the perfect way and it's only this way, absolutely not. But I'm, I'm very confident because most people, they learn languages in school, right? Like, not really. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> no, they go they, through the steps. They, they don't. Yeah, they go through the motions. They go through the motions. They. We actually did in French class. We would actually like do the thing. She goes, okay. Now she was German. <laughs> French was terrible. <laughs> right? She was like write down. I'm not going to do the accent. Right, she She's like write down the uh, the words. Cover them up and try to see them on your eyelids. Right. This I don't. Maybe you haven't had that one, but uh, this is sort of the level of technique that we would go and it was just like follow the textbook. Follow or the Z textbook. Right. I, like it was just. Uh, so and when you have that for years and years, even though you come out of it with no language skills or very few... Like, for example, my Spanish was way better. Do you know why? Because I went to Spain every year on holiday. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, so. so you actually used it. <laughs> You're used actually, it, actually able it. to experience the joy of being understood. Yeah, to a certain extent. You know, I'd hang around with like other kids and like... Oh, ¿Cómo se dice? ¿Cómo se dice? Oh, botas. Okay. You know, like I was just learning individual words like that. Anyway, so w- when you just... You tend to fall back on the way you learned in school. So I was thinking, and so after I realized that my grammar was terrible, because I had all these words swimming around in my head, but I couldn't use any of them, I started finally looking outwards and thinking maybe I don't know everything. And I, after I've gone through loads of textbooks and stuff, started researching online. I started listening to the people that actually know what they're talking about. Polyglots, right, people that can speak many languages. There's a limit, I'm not sure how many languages you have to speak to be a polyglot, but a lot, right? And uh, a common thing amongst these people, not everyone, of course, but was flashcards and listening and reading. That was the main thing, listening and reading, really. But how, do I, how did I learn Italian in a year or Spanish in two years or whatever? I listened and read, listened and read.
0: List, listening, like
1: listening to a podcast and flashcards. Consuming and- in input, like just consuming content, listening to something, preferably listening and reading. But to get to that point, you have to have some level, some basic level. So before you do that, I found a good way was to do flashcards, like with individual sentences. So you learn a few words, like a a basic amount, and then you sort of start enough so you can put a sentence together, and then you sort of learn sentences. And at the same time, you're doing lots of listening practice and listen and repeat, stuff like that. There's loads of different ways people do it, but generally, You need to start reading words in context. That's the key thing that I was missing. So I just started downloading loads of sentences off Pleco, transferring them on. Mm-hmm. A lot of the sentences were awful, like you know. But this like are these re- like the
0: example sentences which are built into the dictionary?
1: Yes. Right. Uh, and if you pay for it, you get some pretty decent ones, right? Can, um, but generally, I found them quite unreliable. A lot of the time, my a lot of the times my Chinese friends, because they didn't worry about my. Uh, feelings whatsoever most of the time. They were just like, we haven't said that since the 50s, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or like, or oh, that sentence from Mao's little red book, you know? Or like, what you're your, your learning here is really, really like written Chinese. It's not something we ever say. And I was like, man. It's like a Chinese person studying Shakespeare. <laughs> it's like, no, don't study that. I guess, you know? It's like, <clears throat> so, I started, uh, I started thinking, I, I knew I was on the right track because I was definitely improving because I was re- re- reviewing these sentences every day. But uh, I started looking more and more into it. I found resources like, uh, for example, Fluent Forever. Uh, it's a great book. Which, Love that book. Um, which helped me out a lot in, in in way of not only confirming what I was doing was wrong and what I'd done right was right. So, for example, again, he always says, start with pronunciation, use flashcards. And, but he went into real... His, most of his book is about how to make flashcards. It, absolutely. It goes into great detail on Anki in particular. And that, that helped me sort of... Uh, like, for example adding images to flashcards you know i was like yeah well, obviously because memorize does that and that's one of the things they get right um really really good and, and you know create connections to the words in some way don't just try and put these meaningless bits of information shove them into your head so i was like exploring this and and trying out everything that i saw i was that's that's kind of what uh it's kind of what i was uh it's kind of my specialty really just like you know, because I I'd, I'd, I'd gone from a full-time job and I I'd, I'd quit that and got a part-time job so I could spend more time on it. So I just invested three four hours a day, experiment with all these different techniques, and I found that sentence flashcards just was so much more helpful. And then I was like, okay, so I need to find better sentences. So I started using like subtitles and. From TV shows that I like, like translations. Oh, that's right! You like, guys built a whole program around that. Well, no, I wouldn't say a program. Uh, it was just like a side project for my own study. Like, I, I put this together over like two weekends. Just like I downloaded, uh, it's about equivalent about six, seven hundred thousand like subtitle lines. So like, you, there's a software you need to do it, right? So anyway, I cut all this out, put it in a TV deck. That's what I called it. And then I just searched for the word I wanted to learn, and it came up with like seven sentences in English and Chinese. Oh,
0: that's genius! All
1: from like the wire, and this was not my idea, by the way. This is like I, I got inspired, inspiration from someone on Chineseforums.com. Uh, can't remember his handle now, but anyway, so he he like helped me out with that. And um, so a lot of the stuff is like taking ideas from uh, p- like bits and pieces of ideas and sort of forming it together to a really good study program, basically.
0: So you're using Anki for this, right? Most of the
1: time, yeah, yeah. So Anki's like yeah. an
0: SRS flashcard utility which is available on every platform. Yeah. What would one of these sentence flashcards look like? The first thing you see
1: is the sentence in Chinese or the sentence in English, or how does the flashcard work? Well, um, like for sentences, I, like some people just like to read sentences, right? Just have the sentence in Chinese, uh, with or without pinyin, up to you, I'd prefer without, uh, but that's why learning characters is really important. Um, I could talk about that as well, you know, I, but there's, learning how characters is a whole other thing. Um, but with the sentence cards, I, I actually like something called close deletes, C-L-O-Z-E, right? It's closed deletes. So basically, you whatever word or grammar structure, whatever it is you're learning, you can use Anki to delete that. So it's like a missing character. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I tried that out for three months, and I was doing it wrong. I was using... I was deleting the entire words. So most Chinese words are two characters, and I was deleting the entire thing. So it'd be like I went yesterday and got a. Mm, and it's, it's, that's pretty much useless because it you could, don't know it what could it could be. Could be like, I mean, right. you know what I mean? So,
0: so do you do you include like the English translation below or, or
1: only on the back?
0: Only on the back. Okay. So, I would so d- how how do you know which word you could be missing? I mean, well, what's
1: that's the thing. So you would only delete one. So if it's a two-character word or if it's a one-character word, you only delete one character at a time. So you have create two separate flashcards for one sentence with a two-character word you're trying to learn. I see. And so one also is put one is missing image. the first character and the other one's missing the second character and both yeah. have an image which is a hint, I guess? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the image is not only a hint, it's another layer of connection. Again, that's what uh, Gabriel Weiner talked about in his book. Fluent Forever. Uh, exactly, yeah. So it, it was... And I again, I was experimenting with everything to make it work better and more efficiently, or as, as efficiently as I could. So... For example, I would, I would really think about how to choose these images. So the images of the sentence, say you had a guy, uh, the sentence was about a guy buying a table, so I would have like a crazy picture of a guy buying a table. Or I, I remembered uh, a, a guy buying a table in a TV show that I liked. I was thinking of that scene and have a picture of that scene. You know, like Really personal. And that just, like, I might, once I combine those two things, like flashcards, um, like sentence flashcards, also with learning characters every single day, and learning the first three 3,000 characters did it in about six months okay. using this technique, which I can share with you in a minute. Um, so once I did that, I just felt my Chinese was skyrocketing. I wasn't really practicing speaking any more than usual, but uh, I could feel the words were coming to mind better. And then after I got like a... I, on top of that, I would listen every single day. Every single day. Even if I couldn't understand, like, I listened to Luo Par. Like, he's a... Or uh, is it Like he's a very advanced. It's a podcast, like logical thinking. Um, but I would listen to it anyway because I found when I did understand, it was really he was so interesting. It's very really deep. Um, but you can listen to Gao Hua Huashuo. His um, like a bear talk. is a, one that's a bit lower level or slow Chinese. is even lower level. But I would listen to stuff constantly wherever I went, and that's like a slow burn, right? Because these, these are like podcasts, right? The Chinese these are, these podcasts? Are, uh, yeah yeah
0: so Phil mentioned this actually also, so what he said he did was i think that he i don't know if he still does this, but he mentioned this on our podcast where every morning he would put on Chinese podcasts and it would just be playing kind of
1: like all day as he was like making breakfast working sure. out like yes yeah, that's like that's how you immerse yourself essentially. I mean immersion' is used in a way of like speaking usually, like so I'll go to a French immersion study school or whatever to, you're not allowed to speak English. That's one way of immersion, but I, the, like the immersion I think about is more practical. And me and Phil both did this sort of thing. Phil took it to the next level, but we, we would like c- compete on it. There was like a stage where, for about a year or so, where I actually bought sleep phones where I could actually listen whilst I'm sleeping and stuff. Um, did that help? My, my, no, my dogs ate them after like two weeks, but. The the like it felt like it was helping for those two weeks. I can't tell. It's it's a really slow burn, and I was that was based off because me and Phil were both huge fans of Katsumoto uh, Ajat A J A T T all All Japanese Japanese, all all the the time. time, Yeah, so and it's all about Japanese. I think it's got it all about Chinese as well now. But before it was mainly Japanese, but it doesn't matter. It was all about attitude, and his thing was. I mean, he learned fluent Japanese in about eighteen months, and he did it. He says by doing a lot of flashcards, multiple closed delete flashcards, so having, you know, lots of lots of text, but like deleting lots of words or doing something similar to what I said. Um, and listening almost 24 hours a day every day. So it's always on, always on. And I gotta say, I can't I didn't do an experiment, a controlled experiment, but I know that helped me massively. I didn't listen to it twenty four hours a day. You know, I've got a life at the end of the day. So but but uh, my government would like that, I don't think, you know? Yeah. But uh, it's, you know it might be a bit distracting.
0: So flashcards, passive listening, reading. Yeah, yeah. What, what are the other major elements which you use to achieve rapid progress? Once you started to get on track.
1: Yeah, well, it was uh, it was. I would say, yeah, the, the listening and uh, learning characters, reading and listening was the best. Like that was the core. So I do that for about, you know, I do Anki every single day. Yeah. Like get those flashcards done. The green flashcards are like the reviews. Get those done every day, no matter what. How
0: many how many flashcards like per day? I Couple hundred?
1: I yeah, I'd say sometimes more. I was trying to like I say I had more spare time, so I was doing a lot. I was in like sometimes up to five hundred a day. Wow,
0: because I find even with two hundred a day, it with, beca- like I said,
1: like, I'm the sort of person that can do stuff like that. You know, I, I I'm boring. I'm boring. I can just do that thing over and over again and not worry about it. And like, I feel like
0: it's it's so mentally taxing yes. to do hundreds of Anki flashcards. I find that I can work for hours and hours and hours mm. straight and not have an issue. But there's something about flashcards which is so mentally taxing. I find that after like
1: 30 minutes of that, I start to just feel really mentally exhausted. What you would find uh, is that, yes, like flashcards aren't like in the way that I'm talking about them, if you do them exactly how I mentioned, like you have audio, there's another, that's another thing I've got to mention. You use Awesome TTS, it's like an add-on that adds audio to your flashcards. Yeah. right. Yep, right. If you have audio, if you have an interesting connection, as well as like um, you think of not just an, a really cool image that represents the sentence as a whole in a fun way, you know, you spend time creating these flashcards. In fact, even that time you spend making the flashcard is another connection that you make to the flashcard. Yeah, right? actually,
0: I think that was mentioned in Fluent Forever. I think that yeah, exactly. there was one portion exactly. in there which said, the real learning process is when you're making the card. Yes. And then every time you review the card, it's just
1: reinforcing the original experience of creating the card. Yes, especially when you're learning new words in Chinese. So, for example, like, the, the really thing, because he talks a lot about, he doesn't talk about Chinese at all um, in the book. I don't think, maybe mentions it like a couple of times, but like, it's mainly focused about European languages. But, um, and I'm learning Spanish right now, and if I'm going to make, um, like, a flashcard for a new Spanish word, it's a bit different, because Spanish is just, it's it's just Latin, right? It doesn't really, the, the individual morphemes, like the chunks of the language that make up a word, don't make any sense to me. Like, uh, sandals is chancletas, right? And what does that mean to me? Nothing, right? Right. Um, you know, so, or, uh, like, dog is perro, you know, but it's like, okay, fair enough. Like, but with Chinese... The, if you learn the characters m- almost all words that i've come across they have a relationship it's like a built-in mnemonic device
0: yeah so, it makes logical sense you can break yeah. chinese down into a logical structure yes and which that, is which yeah. is very
1: intellectually satisfying it is it is so if you learn characters you know like for example a very famous example of a word is dian nao you know computer is dian nao electric brain i mean um, pretty much all words are like that if you know the characters well enough you know so that whereas with chancletas, right, for sandals, I have to literally, I have to look at it as like ching, tang, tank a uh, dangle. So okay, I'll find a picture of uh, some sandals with bells on them, or uh, you know, and then that jingle jangle, you know, okay, then I'll I'll use that as my image. It's not as straightforward, I guess, in that, or it's not the same. Whereas right. Chinese, you don't need to worry about that. It's just there, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool.
0: So a lot of mnemonic tricks, right? Yeah. You've used yeah. those to learn Chinese and now you're using those for Spanish as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So like with the the the, the most intense like deep mnemonic, I wouldn't even call them tricks. I don't, know, that's, that, I don't think that's fair because the system is used it's a it's a method. There's a series of methods that is currently in use by like the world memory champions, right? And they're always trying to perfect these cool methods like the method of loci, okay? essentially like memory palace techniques. We have uh, we have we well, I first discovered this technique Um, like a few years ago, I made a comment to this guy who made this system where he combines the Heisig books, which is like a very cool, like ordered way of learning Chinese characters. And uh, that's what I use to learn uh, Chinese characters using the Heisig books the order which he presents them in but combined with this really cool system where it's like you imagine people objects places and actions to represent the various components of characters um, so for example the initials of the opinion like the b or the p or whatever comes first that represent is represented by a person and the finals are represented by places and it's all people you know places you know that you can walk around in your mind and the components in that make up the character are objects, and then you combine the objects in a way that represents the meaning of the character. Yep. And it sounds insane to someone that's like never done it before, but uh, I, I I experimented with this again, and I see I saw where I could build on it, and uh, that's about when Phil joined me. So like I basically because I never actually answered your original question. Uh, you asked me like how did we start Mandarin Blueprint, and it was essentially because I would share all these sort of techniques and with Phil, and he would share stuff with me. Like, for example, he got me onto Anki, like, you know. Um, And I would share stuff like this character learning system with him, and like, we would trade stuff. And then I would trade stuff with other people that I knew um, uh, in the neighborhood that are also studying Chinese and stuff. And then I actually, I put up a a post on Go Chengdu once, um, because I was getting sick of teaching English. Um, I just thought, I'm getting pretty good at this. I'm just going to send out a post for two or 300 quid an hour. I'll, I'll teach you guys how to learn Chinese quickly. Because I was making such progress at that point with mm-hmm. all these different methods, you know. Yeah. And not one person got back to me, you know. So uh, I just sort of mentioned that to Phil one day. And I think, I don't know if it was straight away or if it was like a few days later. Because I kept showing him this stuff because I started making videos of really bad videos using like a drawing pad. <laughs> Uh, in my bedroom and, like, planning out this this course, this online video course that I wanted to make mm-hmm. uh, that just gave everything I knew and recommended all the materials that I used, the methods I used, and whatnot. And, in, more importantly, the overall plan for doing it. And I even, I bought the, the name Mandarin Blueprint online, bought the domain, uh, but it just wasn't going anywhere because I was, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm much, I'm like a planner, I thinker, you know, I like to create stuff, but I guess feels uh, more like, the mover, you know, he's like, okay, cool, we've got a good idea, let's just do it, right, and that's what he said to me one day, because you know, I kept going on about it, I was like, what do you think about this video, or what do you think about this, you know, or I'm going to do this, and then one day, he just said, let's just do this together, right, and let's actually make something now, let's start a, co- a class, you know, mm-hmm. so we did, you know, we started teaching the locals here in Chengdu, we just put, we, we called ourselves hacking the HSK or the HSK, I love that. I think that's a great angle.
0: I think that's a great angle. I was actually going to ask you about the HSK yeah. because one of the big achievements which you guys mentioned mm-hmm. as I guess a milestone in you know determining how effective your methods and techniques are mm-hmm. is you guys both went I think two years from zero to HSK six which is very impressive yeah. and I'm sure that there's a lot of Questions around deconstructing your process, your thought process, yeah, and yeah. how you will spend your time preparing for this. How specific is the preparation which you do to HSK6? And so hacking
1: the HSK, yeah, that, I mean, I can see a clear appeal for a program well, like that. It didn't appeal to everyone, you know. We'd we'd, we'd stand out because I actually joined him in Sichuan University for like a semester, and we would stand outside giving out leaflets. And people would often turn us down and say, no, no, I'm not really interested in the HSK. I just want to learn cool Chinese, you know. Uh, and we'd go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised by me. that because
0: no. HSK is mm. such an important way to demonstrate your your level of skill yeah. in Chinese language. Very important for employers here in Chengdu. It's the I only spent, standard. It's the, it's the, only, the only standard, standard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I spent five years working in a technology company here in Chengdu where I managed a group of foreigners And pretty much, I mean, for almost every position, required uh, skills in Chinese language. And HSK-6 was really the only way to objectively prove your ability level. And so for people especially who had passed HSK-6, that would eliminate all doubt and questions over their aptitude in Chinese language. And so if I saw a resume or an applicant who had passed HSK-6, it would immediately eliminate any doubt that they would be able to communicate themselves, whether spoken or written. Sure. So, for me, I think that's a really important thing, which uh, is which every Chinese learner should be thinking about the HSK. I think there are a number of different reasons why you would want to do that. I mean, having a goal and having a milestone is really important to making progress. So you don't just get stuck doing memorize all day for you know years. I would say that
1: uh, HSK six. Funny enough, like the HSK six, we both passed it at the same time. We both took it together because. Phil had to do it for a uni, or he wanted to do it for a university to help him get some credits or something. And I thought, well, we've been learning together all this time, you know, sharing all these things. Like, I'm just going to join you. I don't really care about the university. I'm going to quit next semester anyway. But I'll join you. And uh, I, we, I had been learning. We both been learning for just about two years. So like my first, like I said, year and a half, all those words swimming around. In the last six months, I've made so much progress. I'd like connected them to, you know, managed to formulate yeah. something. So I started reading every 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 day. So I thought, yeah, I think I could do that. And we both passed it, and I was genuinely surprised. I was really because I was I was so bad six months before, you know. But I, I, I had the information there. I just had to link it all together, and you know, through reading and listening, and it, that's what sort of clinched it, you know.
0: So over the couple of years that you guys have been doing Mandarin Blueprint, right? What is the timeline we're talking about? When was it that you guys were in school and you guys started doing this? Well, it's three years ago we started. Three years ago, okay. So you guys have completed a number of different projects in that time. You mentioned hacking the HSK it was kind of one of the older things yeah. that you guys had done. We've been com- constantly. It, up-
1: upgrading the materials, yeah.
0: Exactly. So it wasn't that long ago that you guys finished a pronunciation course, right? Tell me yeah. about that. This well, is w- probably one of the most substantial courses you guys have published. Is it's that right?
1: the First substantial course, definitely. Like, so we we ended up um, after just developing it and developing it, and we had uh, to to conform with like the the five main stages, I guess, of, of language learning, which we had again not just sort of pulled out of our ass, but it was uh, you know based on our own experience. And a lot of research into l- language learning. So starting with pronunciation, then learning characters, then learning words, then looking at sentences and listening to sentences, then and then output, and then bringing it all together. So we, we created like a module for each stage, you know. And pronunciation mastery um, was the first module, and we would, we'd been teaching it constantly for three years. First in live classes, then we went fully online, just doing like through uh, meeting software like Zoom, something like that, Skype, whatever. And, uh, and we got to the point where we're like, okay, we have taught this so much now, we have so much good feedback from it, and we've tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it. Like, Phil, I think Phil was the one, he's usually the one that stops me and says, okay, I think we're, we're good to go now, right? Because <laughs> I could just keep, you know, keep going, going, going. Um, and just, it will never come out. Right. <laughs> It'll never, it never exist anywhere. Right. So, um, so we, we made the Pronunciation Mastery, took us a few months, and it's now up for sale. And it's got... A new price of $99. So you can get it online now. And it's the, the cool thing about this stuff is that there's a lot of Chinese material out there for learning Chinese. But I, the, the reason why I thought of the name Mandarin Blueprint and the, what me and Phil have been working towards this whole time is not because we are the best at Chinese in the world, because like we've already talked about there's probably millions of thousands of people that are better, right? But like we've, we, we know what it takes to get to the high level. Quickly, yeah, and, and we know, and I want to share that, and I want because I actually, I've kind of been light hearted about it, but it was actually really stressful, and I'm sure it's stressful for a lot of people, figuring out that I suck at learning languages and like not doing, working for hours a day and not getting anywhere, or l- at least not feeling like I got anywhere, right. and I'm just, and so many people do that, you know, like we had people that have been at university, at Sichuan University, learning Chinese for four years, coming up to us outside, like two years ahead of Phil, me. In the, in the classes going, oh, I want to come to your course. Like, I don't feel like my Chinese is good. I was like, you spent four years here. Yeah.
0: No, I, I know people who have been in China for almost 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, actually, one of which recently I had a conversation with who was saying to me, you know, I'm thinking about taking HSK. I think I said, I think that's a great idea. I think you should definitely do that. Sure. You've been here a long time. I think you're ready to do that. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about taking HSK four. you know, and I'm like, man, you've been here for almost a decade, you know, for – it seems like a very long time. And HSK4 is
1: not a very high bar. No, and I, I mean, g- for- I get that, though. I get that because yeah. it's just like there's no... There's very little way of measuring your progress and knowing that you've done something, which is what Anki does very, very well. And that's why... Well, Anki is very difficult to use, so we're going to create our own flashcard system. But with wow. the same... Yeah, like we're gonna, once we have... So I like, I'll keep jumping ahead. So we, we, we've just released Pronunciation Mastery. We're currently working on our next three modules combined together into one huge course about 2,000 lessons and it's so that's 2,000 two lessons something like that yeah <laughs> so that's so, like three
0: times the size of the pronunciation <laughs>
1: mastery course it's very big I, I don't know exactly how how, how long it's going to be or but we we basically we're putting our character system so I said you, I said to you that system with the using the mnemonic techniques I could spend a whole podcast just talking about that system but you know got respect for everyone's time and whatever but um, that in itself, we have added our own flavors to it and developed it in our own way. Um, uh, and, you know, we've combined it with... We've created an entire system for the first 600 characters, the first 1,000 words, th- half of which are two-character compound words, you know, so um, and all sentences for them. So it's sort of in a system of you learn a few characters... Once you, And it's all based on frequency, only the most common. That's very important. Like mm-hmm. With textbooks and stuff, you end up learning a lot of useless words that you're not going to need for a while. Right. Um, and when you're early on, you need to feel the progress as, as, as much as possible. Oh, I just learned a word that makes up 0.5% of the entire language in terms of coverage. That's mm-hmm. good. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to learn the word for, you know, clothes rack or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you
0: know, I have Chinese colleagues who are, like, learning English words, like, excruciating. And it's like... Sure man, you have
1: like thousands of words to learn before you yeah. get to a specific exactly. word like that. Exactly, and it was like I was talking about uh, my friend Scott, right? Like, it's better to know a, a relatively smaller amount of words well and be able to use them well than to know like 10,000 words but sort of not really know how to use them or, you know. So, and especially starting out, because starting out is when most people give up on Chinese because it's because of the characters essentially the characters is just hard, and there's no means by which to learn them that's obvious to anyone. Real hard learning curve right at the beginning. And actually, yes.
0: I'm glad you mentioned uh,
1: A-G-A-T-T, All Japanese
0: All the Time, by Katsumoto. That's a tool which I've used as well. I've been learning Japanese for the last year and a half, and what i found... Obviously, starting Chinese is very difficult. Anyone who is who speaks Chinese or has learned Chinese or is learning Chinese has come upon a very steep learning curve, yes. especially at the beginning, because it's so much to wrap your head around. The characters, I think, are uh, very difficult, but for me, the tones were the most difficult thing, and I mean, still tones, are like the yeah. biggest challenge yeah. for me also the pronunciation just some of the sounds are no, just don't exi- exactly very hard, hard
1: pronunciation that's right As there's a lot of sounds that don't exist in english you know
0: but i find that once if you can get over that first hurdle which which is was for me for me primarily the characters and the tones then after that there's a pretty gradual rate of expansion yes and you there's a lot of rewards along the and way it's,
1: it's that first so getting from zero to one is right. the most important part and it's the, it's really hard. Like with like I said, like I refer back to Spanish, like you can just hit the ground running with Spanish. I already know like exactly. thousands of words, because it's right. just so easy. But then
0: you get into verb conjugations. I'm not saying, yeah, th- 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 yeah, it
1: gets difficult later on. Exactly. Like, doesn't it? But straight away with Spanish, you can get into the language without too much resistance. You know, exactly Chinese, what I've heard yes it's like it's like having like equivalent like big that big bouncer I was talking about earlier at the door. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. It's 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 a hard start, and that's you get what, major resistance right at the gate. And that yeah, exactly. And that's that's what Mandarin Blueprint is all about. It's making that zero to one as easy and fun as smooth as possible. Right. So. It's a, it's an entire system for the first 1,000 words. You get the most common 1,000 words under your belt and all of their various usages. So really, technically, it's more like at least 1,500, really. And you count. A lot of words have different usages, right? Um, so once you've got that down, at least reading and listening, you can understand them, You know, which is, let's be honest, the more important thing, being able to understand, right? Yeah. Then once you've got that basis, you've got that input, that foundation, all you have to do is start speaking and writing. Uh, and sort of delivering, not delivering, but uh, bring that, bringing that into your daily study routine. Right. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be that much, really. It depends on how fast you want to improve. But the important thing is you keep reading, keep reading, keep reading, keep listening, and doing both at the same time. Do your flashcards. So, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about. And it's all about keeping people motivated and interested. And, oh, and also... Blueprint. That's the, the key. One of the key things again that's missing is the plan. Where am I? Where am I going? How do I know when I've got there? Yeah, you know, and that's that's just as valuable.
0: Rather than just continually, just you know, getting new vocabulary, yeah. new sentence structure, and kind yeah. of
1: not really knowing what the goal mm. is when yeah. you've gotten there exactly, just like you say. Exactly. And we're 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 hoping to release this. Um, this is just the first thousand words and six hundred characters, and it's it's of course just the beginning. You know, we're going to release that in say autumn, September, October time. And, uh, you know, for a subscription, very you know, not, not too expensive to start out with. And uh, and then we're going to keep adding content to it. We're going to get up to 3,000 characters. We're going to get up to thousands of words. So, and it's just the core. It's just the core of the language. And the, the cool thing about it is that at least the idea that me and Phil have got for it is that this system can be applied to everything. So, like I said, Chinese pod is fantastic, but people get lost in it. Right? They don't know what to do with it. Whereas this, it could, you could actually just look at the system, like how far are you in the system? Okay, well, you can now listen and understand 80% of the content in this group of podcasts, right? So it unlocks those, um, and we're planning on doing other stuff that we don't really need to share right now, but we've got other stuff that we can do with that, the, the system itself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really happy with it so far. We've had a lot of good, good results. Um, yeah, had, I can you know, imagine. So
0: the, I've been doing the pronunciation course for a couple weeks now.
1: Yeah, and th- I mean the quality is just. Sorry, phenomenal. am I plugging myself a bit too much here? To
0: no, no. I mean you're here <laughs> to plug yourself and uh,
1: also to share. Well, I'm what, genuinely excited about it. It's, yeah. It's, no, really I, it's I can I can
0: feel your enthusiasm, <laughs> and that's a great thing. That's I mean part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because you've achieved so much and a lot of there's a lot of insight which people can gain from that and me included as well you know i'm still studying chinese every day i'm doing anki every day and so and i've been doing this for a long time you know i think longer than you like yeah. by by a number of years yeah. so you know i'm still still going, still trying to improve and get better. And I have a vested interest in gleaming knowledge from you, as I think that people who listen to this podcast do as well. But I did want to say that, you know, over the last 18 months that I've been learning Japanese, I have been using AGATT. I've also been using some other popular Japanese learning blogs like Tofugu. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's a fantastic um, blog for Japanese learners. And what I found in the last 18 months, because... Like you, Chinese was really the first time that I ever dedicated myself to learning language. Mm. And I enjoyed it so much, I never realized how much fulfillment I would gain from that. And actually, to be truthful, it's really one of the main things which has kept me in China. You know, I originally came to China to travel for three months, started learning Chinese during that time, and enjoyed it so much, particularly found it so rewarding to be able to communicate with Chinese people in their own language, that it was almost like a life-transforming experience where I I realized that I'm capable of so much more than I thought I was. Because when you first arrive in China, when you first interact with with, uh, Chinese language, it seems almost impossible to speak, to understand, to read, to write. And once you start knocking down those goals, it's incredibly uh, satisfying and um, encouraging, you know, yeah. because you think about, you know, how much you're capable of. But so I, I think yeah, that.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. we, we, kept, we kept tweaking the system that we're talking about as much as we can to make sure that you're reading Chinese characters, like sentences without pinyin as soon as possible, you know? Sure. With like 20 or 30 characters under your belt, you can read a sentence in Chinese. And like, how cool is that, so that feeling? Cool. Right? It feels so good. When you yeah. first did that, when you're reading, oh, I'm just understanding these squiggles. That's so cool. Exactly. Um, Um, I'm actually quite jealous of people starting out, you know, because it's it's really really rewarding, really fun. That's true, is but in a different way. That's right. It's a slow burn now.
0: Well, you're less amazed with progress because (laughs) you've been making it for a long time, but. In any case, the Japanese blogs which I've been reading, you know, one thing I've noticed over the last year and a half is that there are so many fantastic, high-quality resources for learning Japanese. I think that they
1: outnumber the resources yeah. for Chinese
0: by like a hundred to one.
1: I I've, mean, there's I've, I've driven myself pretty crazy, like trying to, and I've spent hours and hours, sometimes mining the internet for something that's high-quality Chinese content. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it's hard to come by. Real
0: hard to find, but the and, and I, I was really mystified
1: by that, you know, mm, because I thought yeah. that learning Chinese,
0: it's it's difficult to find really high quality resources and i felt you know hey that's just how language learning is but hmm. then i start learning nope. japanese i'm like man the bar is so much higher for this content and now i start you know wondering why is it that it's it just seems like there's not nearly as much high quality Chinese resources like I would hope? But you know the reason why I bring this up is because I really feel that Mandarin Blueprint, you guys are hitting like the highest bar that I mean almost anybody on the internet is hitting. The pronunciation course is so good. The blog posts, which before we started recording this podcast, you mentioned that your business partner Phil has been mainly the guy writing those. Yeah, incredibly high quality. I mean, some of the best blog posts that I've seen on specific Thanks, aspects of learning Chinese. Yeah, I mean, you guys are doing such a great job. And also, I should say that when I first met you guys and I learned that you were Chinese teachers, I was pretty skeptical of the whole thing. So sure. You know, yeah. as I'm sure you guys face Me a too. lot of skepticism. <laughs> yeah, because you're Caucasian guys in China who are teaching Chinese. You know, it seems like it doesn't kind of add up. But that's before you learn that your learning methods are a world apart from what most people are using to learn Chinese. And I also, having gone through, I mean, not Chinese University like you, but I've gone through some formal Chinese language learning methods, and I've found them not very efficient or a useful you know, use of my time. And I'm totally convinced, even more so after reading Fluent Forever, which is the, the book which you mentioned, that your methods are... Totally effective, are an efficient use of your time, and give you a really comprehensive understanding of the Chinese language, which allows you to uh, gain all the benefits of being here and being able to speak, read, and write Chinese. Yeah, I was,
1: I was, I, you, I thought about your, uh, oh, thanks for that, by the way, I really appreciate it. Um, I was thinking about your, your question there, uh, your, why the Chinese content is so much harder to come by, you know, and I, I sort of know the answer, but it's like, if we're going to start answering that question, it could get political, right? Give, let's give yeah. us a simple answer. Is it, does it have to do with um, Chinese education system or what? Uh, I think so, yes, but it's basically, you know, censorship, essentially. Like I've, it's really a shame because if you look at Chinese films, for example, like the 1980s and 90s were some of the some of my favorite films in general, you know, some of the Chinese films that have come like out. Like Hong Kong movies. No, I'm talking about mainland. Mainland. Okay. Yeah, there's some great films. They're, they're, you know, but they they just got more stringent on censorship, and unfortunately, people, you know, you, you can't flourish. You know, creativity can't flourish in that sort of environment. Like, right. just look, they could go ahead and make, you know, a movie, spend millions and millions of dollars, and make this movie and put all this effort into writing this incredible film, and uh, the government would just say, Nah, we're not doing that. And it's just a waste of years of their life. So it's like... Yeah, I mean, talking about the... can imagine that's going to affect what is available. And also, I've I read this really sad story. This this guy, this young Chinese guy, like, writing incredible sci-fi. Like, just his passion, you know? Writing these incredible... It's just sci-fi. It wasn't violent or sexual or anything like that. And uh, the government beat him you know, totally completely, totally gone and he, he was like really emotional about the poor kid and it was good content man. sure you know so all this is happening it's just you well, can't like, expect good content
0: three body problem is like one of the most highly regarded a winner of like a numerous awards right i mean this right. is a sci-fi book which was authored by a mainland chinese right, author right. Uh, but science fiction is sort of semi-illegal yeah in china and i've yeah. heard all kinds of crazy conjecture about why that is one of which is because Sci fi predominantly pictures a future which is devoid of communism, <laughs> and somehow that intersects with the uh, you know, that's <laughs> there's a that that is not allowed because naturally the future has you know, will be um flying in like spaceships and it'll all be like communist communism in space. Yeah. Um, but because the popular notion of a sci-fi future does not include that somehow. so it's interesting i mean time travel is another one time travel is illegal you know depicting time travel is <laughs> just not saying lot. that
1: phrase yeah it's so weird. time travel is illegal
0: exactly it's like <laughs> oh your story involves time banned it's
1: uh i mean it's just cartoonishly crazy yeah but the best uh, for, you, for those of you listening you're like okay so we've got a solution we're just going to list problems well um, the biggest solution for this is to find translated Western uh, novels, translated Western comic books. Oh, that that brings us very conveniently yeah. onto another topic we were talking about right before this, which was
0: the Game of Thrones book series, which you read in Chinese, right? Well, not the whole series, just the first one, and I moved on to uh, Alice Shrugged after that. But uh, What yeah. was that experience like? First of all, that's a very impressive achievement to have read. I mean, any Chinese well, books are difficult to read, I sure. find. No, but yeah. to read uh, Game of Thrones, what was the process
1: like? I mean, Well, first of all, I've got to give props to Link, lingq.com. Um it looks like LingQ That's what but uh, it's apparently it's pronounced Link. Um, that is an incredible app that I, I, I haven't used for a while because I've been a bit just, I'd like to flip from one thing to the other, but I'm just gonna probably pay $10 a month for that for the rest of my life because it's just so good. So but it makes learn it makes reading in another language easier in, in a way that, like not necessarily easier itself, but you can look up words quicker. So, so like if I'm reading a, a book like Game of Thrones, re- regardless of your level in Chinese, right, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of words that are like new because there's a lot of made-up words that don't exist in English anyway right? Right. But, uh, or whatever. So there's a lot of like... You know, but wait, if, you, if you've got a paper book and you're doing that, it can be a real annoyance because um, you know, you've got to keep doing study time again in inqu- inverted commas right? because you've got to keep looking up in pleco. What does this word mean? Okay, continue. Now, often you'll be able to guess you know, you'll be able to guess from the context, blah, blah, blah. But it's still, it's hard going. Where with Link, you just click on it, and it tells you the, uh, it's kind of like reading a Kindle, except that you can save the words, which you can do in Kindle too. But the words will appear, they'll be like highlighted anywhere else in any book that you read with that same word in it.
0: Interesting. Okay, so you take like,
1: um, like an ebook version of game of thrones that's what i do yeah download it copy it chapter by chapter it's quite quite laborious at the moment but they're updating it you know so but the and then you just and it will scan it automatically and then everything it will highlight based on the pool of knowledge that you've already built up like the database that you your personal database of words that you know or that you're learning interesting but, yeah so it's, it's, it's y- so you go through it using an app and yeah. then you can look up words that you don't understand in the app and then yeah you could do probably the same thing with a kindle it would be just as uh useful just easy, but Link just got that extra thing of like, oh, this is a word that you've picked before that is now highlighted yellow. So it like, makes you notice things, which is a very important thing. And the guy who created Link, by the way, is another person that I'm a huge fan of, Steve Kaufman, who's like inspired me to make a lot of content and, uh, as, and Phil as well. Um, and just he is just the epitome of that's that's his thing It's basically just listen and read listen and read and just have fun and chill out right so anyway i read that yeah i did read the book um uh and it was incredible to read game of thrones uh because i'd read all the books in english i've watched all the tv series at least a couple of times and uh to read that again in chinese you know i you have to pay extra attention i guess whereas i was sort of you know scanning a lot of, uh, I, like, I can read much faster in English, you know, or a bit faster. Um, but I was, I found, like, noticing details that I'd never seen before, you know, so that's really fun. And I'm not, to be honest, I'm not even a big reader in general, um, but, like, I, I, when I read, I read in Chinese. You know. Wow. So, how long did it take you to read that book in Chinese? Well, I did it like you know half an hour a day or something for like uh, just under three months, uh, four months. Sorry. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. So,
0: when you finish each chapter, do you have like a list of
1: vocabulary words you've encountered? You or? can, you can, but I tend to not bother because at the end of the day, if you read every day at least half an hour a day, that's like a natural uh, Anki system. So the way Anki works, SRS, not just Anki, but just generally SRS based repetition. Words like that you see more often will come up and like, if you get a word correct or a flashcard correct, it will appear less often, blah, blah, blah. But it's just about seeing it regularly. But SRS just makes that whole process more efficient. So you don't see words that you don't need to see.
0: Right. More often. So, if you're reading Game of Thrones, let's say, for example, and you read a sentence which includes one or more characters or words which you're unfamiliar with, sure, yeah. do you just re- do you just continue reading, or do you look that up while you're reading, or what is the do you do you lose your cadence, you know, as you read to
1: understand words that you don't understand? What I like to do, actually, everyone's got, like you ask a different learner, like they'll tell you a different thing. But I personally, I don't bother too much. I'm more of like a bit of a lazy learner. I approach just as long as I get the message of the sentence. Um, if I don't understand a character or a word that literally impedes my understanding of the sentence, then I'll look it up. But if I understand what it is, but I know it's a rare word or a rare character, I'll just keep reading as long as I get I, it. doesn't, because for me, it's about the enjoyment of the content. You know, that's got to be key. And that's how, exa- and that's another thing, again, that's Stephen Krashen, that's another guy, who, uh, a, he's a linguist. Um, but he's a he's a, he's a bit higher level than everyone else really he's uh he's been cited thousands of times he's a proper uh, uh, what do you call it linguistic r- professor or something i can't remember a grammarian as well and his he's all about the same It's all about reading 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 and uh it's i would just basically if i saw something i'd look it up and move on but sometimes what i'll do if i find a cool sentence i think that's cool i'll just highlight it manually copy it and paste it into uh, a flashcard or just in my notes and then later make a flashcard out of that sentence because it's got emotional content in it like cuz i am reading something that i enjoy um, and you know it's got uh, it's got extra connection to it cuz it's in the context of a scene that i can picture in my head you know so that's really cool so I, that that's pretty much what i do with that but also link does have a uh, flashcard system. Um, if you Any word that you highlight, it will save in a database and you can export these to Anki and make flashcards. There's all sorts of extra work you could do. But I, at this level, I, I only have like half an hour, an hour a day, maybe an hour and a half at, at tops, you know, to, to learn language. And I'm, I want to learn other languages as well as keep up with Chinese. You know, so I don't I would do that two or three years ago. I would really get into the nitty-gritty and, and make flashcards out of everything and all that, but I don't really bother with that anymore. I've got a good level of reading. I, I can I've got enough vocabulary that I can enjoy the content and I can listen to all sorts of podcasts and stuff. That's I've reached the goal to a to a certain degree. Right? Sure, totally. So I don't Yeah, yeah. But I, I am still a bit obsessive. I still make flashcards and stuff, but just nowhere near as much. I just enjoy stuff.
0: You know, I I feel that every Chinese learner reaches a plateau at one point where you can yeah. basically communicate at, you know, the level you need to and in fact, you might you not
1: reach plateaus constantly. Exactly. You know, That's or, right. or at various stages.
0: My current plateau is reading entire articles in Chinese without having to look anything up. That's my current goal. I'm not there, but I'm reading online news articles every day and I'm always making flashcards on the phrases or grammatical patterns which I'm not familiar with. And it's st- I'm still, like, having to look them up. But I have noticed that over the last year of reading, like, 500 or so Chinese articles, my Chinese reading speed has gone way up. Mm. I feel way more comfortable yeah. just reading Chinese. And Absolutely. it's becoming a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. So that's been good. But in any case, uh, as I start to wrap this up, I wanted to have you share just kind of all the information about Manner Blueprint. So obviously people who are listening to this should check out mannerblueprint.com. You guys have... Describe the products and services which you have. You have the pronunciation course, which is available for ninety nine dollars. What else is available on there? Private instruction as well.
1: Yeah, we we still do private instruction, but we're spending so much time um, creating stuff. You know, that we're, that we're filming stuff and and planning about future courses and that. That uh, the the prices tend to fluctuate of like our private training. But at the moment, we have the pronunciation mastery available. Um, Definitely before the end of 2018, there will be our big course, and the Mandarin Blueprint Method. It will be all out. Um, And if you want to get in touch, uh, you've got any general uh, requests or questions or you want to find out more, support at mandarinblueprint.com.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I really enjoy talking pleasure, to man. you.
1: I love talking about this. I, love talk, I love yeah. talk about this stuff for hours. We could do like a Joe Rogan style, if you want. Like, I'm three sure or four we hours. could. No, I'm, <laughs> I would be happy to go on for another two hours.
0: Um, one other quick thing I want you to men- wanted to mention is that um, I think it was Phil, uh, if I'm not mistaken, who, who recommended this to me. But there was a website which he recommended, which I've actually gotten to using on a daily basis, which is CloseMaster.com. Which is basically a, a closed deletion sentence based uh, study method, which uses an SRS protocol uh, yeah. algorithm as well. And that's been a great resource for me to use. I think it costs about $50 a year. Right. But it's um, that's something you know,
1: I-, I would definitely have used. Uh, it would, again, uh, when you get to a high level, it's like, you know, it's better reading, it's more efficient that way. But uh, I would definitely use that. I think Closed Master looks good. Combine that with like Memrise, like for, to yeah. learn individual words. And, like, you know, if you're starting out, that's a good way, I think.
0: I've been using Anki for a long time. It is kind of obtuse. I've recommended it to people. Some people use it at first and are just kind of confused by the whole thing, yeah. which
1: I can understand. So We have literally, like our, a lot of our students, we've, they've paid money to be at our cl- classes. And we've spent hours with them and they still don't end up using it, you know. So, yeah. So Closed Master, worth checking out as well. Link, I'm definitely going to look
0: into that. I've actually, I think, registered on that, but not really used it much, so I'll definitely give that a second look after this conversation. But uh, thank you very much. No problem. It's been a pleasure.